This episode of iFreaks is brought to you in part by Postcards. Postcards is the simplest way to allow user feedback from right inside your application. With just a simple gesture, anyone testing your app can send you a postcard containing a screenshot of the app and some notes. It's a great way to handle bug reports and feature requests from your client. It takes five minutes to set up, and the first five postcards each month are free. Get started today by visiting www.postcard.es. This episode is brought to you by CodeSchool. CodeSchool offers interactive online courses in Ruby, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and iOS. Their courses are fun and interesting and include exercises for the student. To level up your development skills, go to ifreakshow.com slash codeschool. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 75 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Pete Hodgson. Hello from California's Indian summer. James Uber. Hello from Minnesota's first day of cold, rainy fall. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we have two guests. We have Daniel Foster. Hi, um, right in the heart of Michigan. And Mike Malinak. Also in Michigan, where it's pretty much winter all the time. Isn't that the state motto? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Road construction and winter. That's what we've got. They don't call it the mitten state for nothing. The tourism board really needs to work on that. Maybe we could swap, because we get... California has a boring lack of, of snow in the wintertime, so we could give you some of our some of our sunshine and you could give us some of your snow. When I was in college, I worked in Alaska for the summer, and it snowed in July. And the running joke was always that they have two seasons. They have winter and construction season. So <laughs> it would warm fishing? up, and then they would uh, fix all of the roads. No, I actually... Uh, I worked at a lodge and I did IT there, so I got to go do all of the cool stuff at a deep discount. Which was that sounds fun. like fun. I heard that Alaska has a lot of mosquitoes. Uh, I don't remember it being too bad. Maybe you were in the right part of Alaska. It's a pretty big place, I think. Yeah, maybe. My American geography isn't that good, but I think it's quite big. Yeah, it is. So uh, anyway, we brought you guys on to talk about doing app previews. This is a feature that Apple either just added or is about to add. I don't remember. Yeah, just added. Um, If you go to the front of the Apple Store on your iOS 8 device, you'll see, in fact, a new featured playlist that's called Introducing App Previews, and you can browse them to your heart's content. Cool. So uh, you guys work for TechSmith, right? That's right, yep. And you have a new product that puts together these previews. In fact, I'm acting like I don't know, but you guys showed me what it is, so... (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, some people don't know TechSmith. Um, a lot more people know Snagit or Camtasia. And so we've kind of been for 25 plus years, you know, the go-to for screen capture, screen recording kinds of things. So AppShow came about when we were at, I think Mike was actually at WWDC. And, and as we saw this new opportunity to that Apple was providing to make these videos for the App Store, for, you know, your app listing, um, they also then announced at the same time a new technology where you could connect your iOS 8 device to a Mac running Yosemite with a lightning cable, and then you could directly capture from the screen. This is like the first time ever that you could do this without jailbreaking. So wait, were you guys, at that moment, did you feel like you were being like Sherlocked and they were stealing your product, or like they were giving you a whole new product? You mean like one of the other 50 things that got Sherlocked this year? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding, right? (laughs) Uh, No, it was really the latter. I mean, we looked at this and said, we can finally do this at a level of quality that is far and beyond what we've been able to do before. I mean, other people have done similar things, like Daniel said, either you're going to jailbreak or you had to go through the painful process of doing an airplay-based system or your over-the-shoulder camera recording of something. And, uh, (laughs) you know, people have been talking about this to us because they, you know, looked at what we were doing in other areas and asking for it. So, I mean, this was Apple actually giving something instead of taking something away from us. So we were happy about that. Do people in the past, have they just, have people also just used the simulator and just recorded the simulator? I assume that's another alternative. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But then you end up into those problems of, Hey, I want to be able to uh, have a camera or it depends on tilt or any of those sorts of things. Those get a lot more painful. Yeah. Pinch yep. zooming with that awkward, like, bolt. Yeah, how many times <laughs> repositioning your fingers doesn't really look natural? There's definitely something to be said for getting to do that with the actual device. Well, and before, I mean, you'd go in and look at an app, and it would show you pictures of the app, but you didn't actually have, like, videos where it's, okay, you tap here, you tap here, you do this. 
it brings this up, but you know, it makes your life better in all these different ways. You didn't have a great way of showing that off. And it seems like, okay, now, now we do. Now here we go. I definitely saw people doing this on like their own websites though before, right? Like, I think it's just, yeah. the, I mean, the two differences is A, it's in the app store now and B, there's a way of doing it without having to do some hokey hackery to, to make it look good. Yeah, and I think the stuff on websites, you know, is still going to, will continue to exist. You know, those longer marketing videos that tell a, a bigger story that show like a lot of the, you know, like the sandwich video ones that are just well done. You know, they give you this, the use cases and this aura of like, these are the kind of people that use it and, and how happy they are. But I think that in the app store, it's kind of going to become table stakes to have the 30 second video as well as your screenshots. And it's really more that moment of decision, right? When, if, if you've got there and it's a free app and you've already decided you want it, like you don't even read the description, let alone watch a video. Who cares? But if you're determined, you know, deciding between a couple apps or you're just in that browse mode, I think it's going to be big. And the other kind of cool thing that Apple um, is doing, and it makes me wonder where they're going with this. If you search in the app store and look at, you know, like the categories and stuff like that, they're starting to show those in the thumbnail that comes up in search results, the play button. So some of the, you know, some of the apps have a play button and some don't, depending on whether they have a video attached. And so I think that starts to give you a little bit of a boost, um, even in the area of discovery. What should people be looking at when they're putting together this uh, app preview? I think this is really the meat of the conversation because ultimately, and this is something that I've told several people, I have people come to me and they're like, well, I, I decided to build this app and, you know, I couldn't find anybody who was cheap enough to do it for me. So I decided just to do it on my own. And then we start having the conversation of, so I've, I've spent the last month working on it and I'm almost done. And I tell them, yeah, you're almost done with the first 20%, which is building your app. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other 80% is getting people to buy your app and use your app. So how do you make a killer app preview that people want are going to watch it and go, oh, I have to have this? The main things to focus on, and, and with 30 seconds, you know, you got to be selective. I've seen a few app previews where clearly they were trying to cram a list of every single feature in. And you'll even see some people do like, almost like a stop motion, you know, it's like a uh, hundred different shots in 30 seconds. And it, it's just, it probably doesn't get the point across. So my advice would be focus on the couple of things that really help differentiate your app. Hopefully there are some things like that, right? So if you haven't made a very interesting, distinct app, then probably go back to square one. But if you have, then what is it to help set it apart from the, the lookalikes? Um, so make sure to show those things and focus on those. If they kind of have those moments of delight, you know, whether it's interactions in your app that are just really cool and you spent way too much time on those and, you know, you're like, oh, I've invested all this energy in these, make sure you show those. And then again, the, the things that are moving um, or that, that, that require motion to really understand, use that space to focus on those as well because you still have the screenshots and those can still tell a lot of the story and, and give some of those pieces, but it's really the they can't show what things look like when they're moving, when there's animation. I'm curious how the people that are doing like all the features, you know, they get their marketing people saying, we need to show every feature. Are they highly editing these videos or are they just like training and clicking as fast as they possibly can on every every little button in their app? It's a mix. And I've, I've definitely seen some that look very edited where it's maybe even a series of screenshots almost, you know, that are just packed in there um, or that there's a lot of, uh, you know, clip speed applied so that the everything's sped up a lot. But again, that's I mean, that might work if your app is, if, or if the point of your video is really to like just overwhelm people with like it can do a million things. Like here's nine hundred and fifty thousand of them. Maybe that's okay. But I'm still going to go on record as saying that you know just focusing on the few things um, is probably going to give people a lot better sense of like how they would use it and you know and and putting yourself in their shoes, right? Like. What is it that they're trying to decide? Uh, what are their determination criteria for deciding whether to buy your app or download it or not? And what can you say about those things? I think one thing that Daniel said is making sure that there isn't really going to be a one-size-fits-all for all of these. Um, it's not going to be a, well, make sure that you show your your splash intro screen or make sure that you always do you know this type of cutout. People need that flexibility because everybody's apps are so different. You know, you wouldn't think of, heck, even Facebook's app versus paper, you know, showing the same sort of, you know, look and feel to it. They need, as much as we have uh, the difference in apps, you're going to have those differences in videos and what those feels are supposed to be like. Another area I would spend a lot of time on 
getting right is the music. And I've seen a few silent videos and they, they feel a little weird to watch. And, and granted, you know, some people are going to have their hard, you know, the volume uh, switched off on their hardware and they're not going to hear anything. So be flexible so that in that, in that case, you still have an intelligible message. But if you do use music, I would encourage people to use music and then spend some time finding that track that really gives the feel that gives the right, you know, emotion that people are going to have when they're using your app. Cause that's, that's a lot of it too, right? Is this app is going to make me feel great about getting exercise or, you know, I use the runtastic one. It's going to make me feel great about doing pushups for Pete's sake. So, you know, setting that tone. How much does it cost to get the Rocky theme? <laughs> <laughs> just buy the soundtrack. Yeah. It's just a video of someone doing pushups. No, no screenshots, no nothing. Just. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There are so many questions, you know, and that's really one of them too, you know, just joking aside, like licensed music, right? And so how is Apple, we have a guy on our team who's like, he's like this encyclopedia of songs. And he was listening to one the other day and he's like, the music in that app preview is from Tron. And I was like, dude, I, I, and sure enough, you know, Shazam identified it as, mm. as Tron. So, you know, I don't know if Apple has the way YouTube does, you know, this matching service that'll try to find uh, licensed or commercial music and then throw it out. I honestly don't know what they do for that. I can imagine someone making some money out of going and finding these and sending people scary letters, but I can't imagine the Tron guys would be super, super freaked out that someone was using it for an app. Well, I don't know. Maybe they would. Well, one of the things Apple does, I mean, to, to take it over to that, you know, what is Apple suggesting and, and what are their rules for some of this? They do say, make sure that you have ownership and the license to use anything that you're putting into these. So I think they're trying to push that back onto devs somewhat, that the people submitting these, you know, make sure you're allowed to use this audio or that you've, you've licensed it. Make sure that, you know, anybody that you're showing in the videos, you actually have the right to show them. Don't be showing personal information and things like that. So, I mean, Apple is, whether or not they're doing automatic checks there, they're sort of putting that onus onto the developers and the people submitting them to to make sure that you're allowed to be doing it. So how do you find music that's free to use? Oh, well, that's, boy. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually, you know, that's one of the problems that we want to solve. I think we're, it's not there for V1. We have looked into it quite a bit. There are some sources that have aggregated just a ton of, of licensed tracks that you know, are royalty-free or pay once to use. And so one idea that we've had is to have a library actually built into AppShow that makes that easy. And, that, and a couple of things that makes easy. One is not getting in trouble on the licensing end. So you know, you're taken care of there. You pay your small fee and you're good to go. Um, you're not going to get denied because your whole binary gets rejected, right? I mean, if your video is wrong, your binary gets rejected and you've got to go back into the review cycle. And then secondly, helping you even pick the right music. So there's some of these catalogs have a lot of metadata, you know, for mood and beats per minute and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, we want to make that easier so you could even do the picking a lot without spending hours and hours trying to find that one track. This is also a conversation that podcasters have a lot because they want intro music to their shows. And so uh, there are a few resources that I can point out for uh, royalty-free or licensed music that you can use. One of them is Music Alley. It used to be like pod something music, and the idea was that it was pod-safe music, so it was music that was safe to use in your podcast because it was Creative Commons licensed or something like that. And then I've also bought music from musicbakery.com and jewelbeat.com, and all of those will give you a license to use their music in whatever. And so anyway, those are some resources. But it would be interesting if, like you said, in the product there was a library that you could just say, well, I just want to use that one and I'll pay a buck for it. Right. Yep. And, you know, a couple other sites that we, we would point people to as well, just to add a couple more links. Kevin McLeod, uh, his site is Incompetech it's kind of a funny name, but he does attribution licensing. So as long as you can give attribution either in your video, you know, a small print at the end or in the, the description of your app somewhere. And then interestingly, YouTube has boosted up their number of tracks that you can use for free. And their terms of service say that you can actually use it for any video. So it's not limited to a YouTube video. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that they had. I keep wanting to say open sourced, but they, uh, <laughs> you know, they have opened up. Yeah, quite a library there, too. Yeah, the YouTube audio library is actually interesting because they're going out and soliciting from people. I know that they actually commissioned work from people to get it into there, too. So those people are getting, you know, some amount of payment for that also, which is nice to see them doing and sort of given out to the community. And if it's like an independent artist, you can always email them, say, hey, I'd like to use this video. And a lot of times they'll be okay with it. 
you know, I, I produced a couple CDs and every once in a while I get a request like, Hey, I want to use this for my magic show. I'm like, go ahead. Awesome. You know, that's cool. The theme music for JavaScript Jabber is actually that. Uh, one of the panelists really liked a band that had released, uh, you know, just put an album out there. And so he contacted them and said, hey, can we use this song for our show? Huh. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. It's an awesome song as well. I really like it. I keep on meaning to ask what that song is. It is The Bailing by Inu. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. I get asked that a lot, so I just know yeah. the answer off the top of my head. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Shazam it. So one other question I have, it seems like you could do 30 seconds of just using your app. Okay, we tap here. Okay, we tap here. You know, we move, scroll up, scroll down, whatever. Or you could do different segments. So here's the contacts, and it shows you selecting a contact and doing this and doing that other thing. And then you move over to the email section, and then you tap an email, and you reply to the email, and you send the email, and then you move over to the next section, and so you could have four or five short little segments that show off different parts of your app. Is one approach, do you think, more appropriate to different types of apps than others? I think that the types of video you're going to make really vary. I mean, if we've seen from games and things like that, it's really tough to, you know, you're not going to show an entire progression of here's your character at the very beginning and you'll be able to show entire levels. Trying to do like a walkthrough in 30 seconds isn't necessarily going to be the most valuable use of your time. But if you can focus on those things that really sort of set it apart, that's really good. For apps like the productivity apps, just sort of jumping around between things, that really is, it's quick to lose people. If you show somebody a calendar and then all of a sudden you're just in somewhere completely different, you need that sort of transition or context switch. You need to sort of prep people a lot more for it. So I think it varies a lot by the app type and the design. For the ones that do, I think, have kind of those segments or, or chapters, if you will, I think one of the best practices we've seen is, is to use these text cards or kind of a title screen in between. And so you fade through to black and then up onto this small amount of text. And remember that you can't localize these. So, you know, use easy to understand words. So if, if people are looking at this and it's their second language, they can still get it. But then, you know, fade into that text card, and then fade back out and make that really quick, just a couple seconds each. And so you can kind of sandwich those in between and help set up like what you're going to see next. Do you see people doing narration kind of for this or is that a bad idea? Because I guess you, you, you said like, you know, if the audio is turned down, then they're obviously not going to see it. But do you think that's a bad idea to, to try and narrate the product while you're just demonstrating it? I think that it can add, it, again, depending on the app, I wouldn't make my whole video depend on it and yeah. make no sense without it, obviously, <laughs> for, for both the volume switched off reason and then the, you know, I don't speak that language reason. But I, I do think that, especially in ones where you're maybe trying to talk about some of the use cases or it's not obvious how this app makes my life better and maybe you need to bolster that a little bit more, you can't put that visually into your app preview in most cases. You know, you can't have happy, smiling people using your app. So I think giving a little bit of that context, it's often going to happen in those, either the text or that narration. That was actually one of my other questions is, I know with the, with like the, the regular, I guess, old fashioned now, just screenshots of the app, some people cheat there and they kind of make it not really a screenshot, but more just like a, a brochure with, it's not just a screenshot that, you know, putting in text or maybe not even showing the app at all. Are you allowed to do that? Will Apple reject you if you just have like an actual video clip of someone using your app, kind of literally a video of someone using it rather than the actual app itself? Their guidelines say you can't do that. There are a couple of examples out there that there's, right? Well, in screenshots, you're not supposed to show the device, uh, is my understanding. You know, you don't show the actual iPhone or iPad, but yet you see a lot of screenshots that have that in it. But the guidelines are really clear saying no over the shoulder, no camera video, unless you have a camera app, you know, then you can show something being recorded. But then you do see a few and it's hard to know, are those just slip by? Are they going to get taken down later? Or is this sort of the beginning of the end of enforcement of, of the guidelines? My feeling is it's still really early and a lot of that stuff is going to shake out. It's always fun when there's new Apple rules and regulations and people are kind of not quite sure what they can get away with, what stuff Apple cares about, what stuff Apple doesn't care about. Yeah, and these are humans on the other side that are are needing to make these calls. The same people who are proving the apps themselves um, mm. and the screenshots are they're watching these videos and saying trying to make that call. So, yeah, I mean, we might see a little bit of variation and and what gets through, and you know, the same way that we saw plenty of that with screenshots too. So, 
So you said that you can record video direct on your iOS 8 device. iOS 8 is fairly new. Do we actually know how that's going to work? Well, so the recording actually happens on the Mac. Um, you're okay. connecting them, and there's nothing you install on the device, which is kind of interesting. So you just plug in, and then it's actually either the, the client is, you know, QuickTime will do it um, if you're on Yosemite, or something like AppShow can do it. And then the recording ends up over there on the Mac. And they do come over at a really high frame rate. So it's like 60 frames per second. There's a pretty high resolution. And in a lot of cases, it's not native resolution, but it's, it's quite high. And it, it's sort of targeted to the resolution that Apple wants you to use, which is another one of the interesting you know, things we've been trying to unravel the last week or so as these started hitting the App Store. Um, once the, the iPhone 6 devices came out, Apple started saying, you need to actually record a separate video on each device screen size. So the 5.5, the 4.7, and the 4, you should record three of these videos and upload them in iTunes Connect. But then we see some, you know, reports from people saying, no, I only made one, a four-inch video, and, and it's up there, and, you know, you can see it on all the devices. So there's a little bit of figuring out on that still. Uh, my advice would be to, to start with just the one, if you can do one video at, at one of the larger resolutions, and then only put it in, because there's different slots in iTunes Connect, you know, for the different media, screenshots and videos. And if you only fill out one of those and it gets approved, then you're probably good to go because it seems like they actually are scaling stuff on their server. So that's interesting. So if I record, I could record a video for an iPhone 6, an iPhone 6 Plus, and an iPad, let's say, and then depending on which device the person buying or browsing the App Store is using, they'll see a different video? Yeah, those two, it definitely is working that way for sure, where... If you have a universal app, you want to do at least a, one iPad and one iPhone version. Mm. Yeah, and the uh, the iPhone six plus has the the special case when it's in landscape, it actually function can function differently, so you can get different layouts. So that's why they're encouraging that you do each of those. And we do know that some people their app did have a different layout in landscape with the six plus and tried to submit the same video, just sort of resized across all of those, and it got rejected because it didn't actually match what they were seeing on the six plus. So it can still get tricky in there. They must be spending a lot of time looking at all of these videos and comparing them to the actual apps. Yeah, must have an army of people who want to yeah. just tear their eyeballs out every day, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine. If I hear one more chirpy, royalty-free song that goes along with this, I'm going to pull my ears off. It's That's all right. ukuleles and hand claps. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, there we go. Oh, God. I'm actually just like, when we were talking about the audio, the soundtrack stuff, I was just thinking of all of the little chirpy 30 seconds clips you see when you go and look at different startup companies' homepages, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, no, I'm never going to turn the sound up on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So does it differentiate between different sizes of iPhone? So if I'm on an iPhone 5 and I'm looking at previews, will it only show me iPhone 5 previews or just iPhone previews? Yeah, so the 4-inch class of phones... That's how it's supposed to work. What's interesting is if so, if they've uploaded a special version for the iPhone 5, that's what you're going to see. Um, so that's the, the whole four inch class. What's interesting is that if you browse to the store on even like a, a 4S, which doesn't actually fit any of these, you can still see app previews. So you're seeing a, a resolution and stuff that isn't even necessarily the same for the other ones. You're, but you'll show up in a pillar boxed video for a lot of those. So pretty much, I think what Apple's trying to do is, recognize the fact that it's more useful to show somebody an app preview than to completely cut them out of it. You know, if you, they don't quite have the, if the app developer doesn't have the exact right video up there for that device, but they're encouraging everybody to try and make them for as many of the device specifications as they can. And so that's three different iPhone or iPod sizes and the one iPad size. It's almost Android-ish. Yeah, for now, until we see whatever the next iPad is going to hold for us too, right? <laughs> what about landscape versus portrait? I guess you don't really have that many options there. You've got to choose one. Of, can you choose one or the other, or does it have to be portrait? Or You get to pick on that front, whichever one it is that you want to show. Um, I believe that you even can decide per different. You could have a five, I'm sorry, a six plus video be landscape and your five video be portrait. Mm. But I think that switching in the in the middle is probably not going to work well because you could end up with a, you know, like a portrait tiny video within a landscape frame. You know, it's, it right. it could get real real quirky to to switch. 
I don't think video supports switching like the aspect ratios in the middle of no. What format of video are we talking about here? So they have, you know, specifications for what you can upload. And I actually put together an ultimate guide to uh, app previews. Maybe we can link to it from the show notes that, that goes into a lot of these kind of technical details. Because it's not just the format of the file, but they also want a particular encoding as well. And that's honestly, that's one of the things that we try to do in App Show is say, if we can just give you what you need, then you don't have to to become an expert in this. And and it's been interesting, you know, they Apple put out a guide for using Final Cut Pro to make these, and it's pretty complicated. And some people are using iMovie, but you have to like also use Handbrake to get the final file format. And so we're trying to just make that a little easier. But it's it's MOV, M4V, and MP4 videos that they support. And then, you know, depending as far as like what's in them, they can be ProRes 422 or they can be H.264 encoding. Yeah, one other thing that occurs to me is that you could use the functionality that we talked about earlier where you record your iOS 8 phone onto your computer. You could put together a longer demo on your website. Yeah, and we're really targeting, you know, obviously not just the 30-second video use case because I think this is, we've been talking about it as kind of the tip of the spear that, you know, there's this need right now for a lot of developers to get those up in the store just to to kind of compete. But we're we're looking beyond that to say, a little bit longer form videos, still, you know, short-ish. I think that's our sweet spot. But people, you know, we've talked to developers who say, I, I'm not making any training videos, you know, to answer those those common questions that I get, mainly because it's just a pain and, and it takes too long or, you know, I don't even know how to get started to capture the screen. And so we've really been focused on uh, being able to answer that need as well um, with some of the next iterations that we have coming down the pipe. And what's really unique about App Show is what we're doing is not trying to recreate a nonlinear editor. Uh, we have Camtasia, and that's a nonlinear editor, and, and we feel like we made something that's very easy to use there and approachable. But with App Show, we're saying you start out um, not recording a huge, long uh, section of content and then trying to find the best you know, minute out of 10 minutes of recorded material you're actually starting to structure your content as you go. So we encourage you to start out more with a kind of a template or a framework in place, and then you're filling these kind of pods or or scenes as you record. And so your whole video is kind of taking shape before your eyes instead of this, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in the, that quagmire of now I've invested four hours and I'm trying to move things around and I can't remember which bits were the good bits and which weren't. Um, so we're really trying to, to make that a little bit more streamlined for people who've maybe never never made a video before in their life. So app preview is one thing you might use you know, video software for, but there's also other things like, you know, if you're doing a sales presentation or doing things like that, do you have uh, ideas for how you would uh, do a video differently in these for these different cases? Yeah, so I think that, you know, a, so a sales demo, for example, it's going to come down to, like, I guess, what is the content? So... Uh, maybe we're talking about PowerPoint or, you know, it's a PDF or something that's got those kind of slides and you're swiping through and talking over it. That's not our core focus right now. I think you'd be able to put something together doing that. But right at this point, like we're not supporting simultaneous voice narration as you capture the screen. It's it's a two step process. And so quite often for like a sales thing, you might you might want to have it live like that, um, recording both at once. Um, but one of the things that we are doing is is looking at how our app show tool will work with Camtasia, which gives you that sort of unbounded, you know, multi-track, non-linear editor. Uh, so, and I think that's probably where we would point people for, you know, a, a big 20-minute sales demo or something that they want to do, put that together in Camtasia. That said, though, we, we do think there's a really great place for short kind of marketing-oriented pieces that you would make with app show. And those would be things like, a teaser of your next level that you're working on in your game or, you know, a new feature that you're going to add in the next release where it's kind of a tighter scope and you can really show that, get in, get out and share that video then on, you know, your YouTube channel or your Facebook page or Twitter, whatever. And those are great mediums for that, right? Because they're so visual, they're so oriented now towards video and images. I can even imagine for like tech support or like how-to things, I guess if your app is so complicated that you need to make a video, then maybe you should be worrying about your app. But I, I don't know, I'm thinking of all, all those YouTube videos you see of people showing how to do X, Y, Z. Like you could use this to record a video of how to do X, Y, Z. Can you record videos of any app using the lightning cable or is it restricted? Can you bounce around between apps and record the interactions? 
you know, like it, uh, that kind of thing. It actually will, when you record via the lightning cable, you record whatever you're seeing on the screen. So Apple is very specific about in app previews that you show sure. be showing the home screen and stuff like that. But if you want to do things, you know, heck, tell, showing your grandparents how to get onto wireless. Right. <laughs> um, that's right. what's tough. I mean, I, I've got those problems trying to get uh, those sort of ideas across. You can do all of that. Anything that you can see on the screen, it, it shows up through there. Huh. Has anyone looked at using this that you guys know of for doing like screen sharing? So if you wanted to literally have grandma plug her iOS app into, into her computer and then you kind of tell her, okay, yep, that's right, tap up there where it says settings or whatever. Um, we haven't exactly seen any anybody else doing this yet, but uh, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't something that we had been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the underlying this? What's the actual kind of technological magic, or what is it like? Some open standard that's moving the video from the device onto the Yosemite. Um, so uh, this is something that Apple provided at the system level. Um, so there's APIs wrapped around this. And as Daniel said, QuickTime can actually do this right now. Uh, if you have QuickTime player, you can go in and, and record that. So that raw data moving back and forth, it's coming through as a compressed video stream. I believe it's actually sort of like a raw MP4 variable bitrate H.264 stream that's coming through there. Okay, so there's no reason you couldn't just use AV Foundation or something and take that stream and, and stream it into something else at the same time. I think a lot of what we've been trying to do is recognize that the ability to record has been there, whether it's a, a better quality recording and things like that, where we think we can add a whole lot of values to make it so that people can actually do something with those recordings. You know, people have had camcorders and things like that to be able to make videos, but it's making something that is useful for someone else to watch that ends up being a lot of the big problem in that. So one other thing that I'm looking at here is that if it's just showing what's on my screen, it's not going to show where I'm tapping. I was just thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> So I tapped here, or I swiped here, or I two-finger swiped, or I four-finger swiped, or whatever. How do you demonstrate that in a video? So it's one of the problems that we thought about right away, too. And, you know, it's interesting as the development process moves ahead, you zig and you zag a little bit depending on, you know, the, the emerging needs. So early on, we thought that's going to be one of the first things we build in there is actually a way to visualize touches. We have it in the mock-ups. It would all have to be after the fact because... Apple isn't passing across, you know, metadata that says a touch happened here for this long, you know, or anything like that. So it's all, it would have to be manual. But as, you know, as we've looked at where a lot of the videos are, so many of them are, are games. And a lot of game videos, you actually don't want to see those touches. It just would be, they'd be so constant, right, that it would be uh, distracting and, and not helpful. So that slipped down a little bit on our radar. But what we're doing, what we're kind of pointing people towards right now is there are a number of libraries that you can build into your app. So you do it, you know, you don't do it in the shipped app that's actually in the app store, but your own build, and then it will visualize all those touches in real time. And so then as you capture it, it already has those displayed. And it usually displays them as like a gray dot that may be animated. It might have a little outline around it or something along those lines. Do you have off the top of your head the name of some of those libraries? Uh, yeah, one of them is called TouchPose. And Mike, what's the other one? I think it was SmudgeKit. That sounds right. Sounds like a good name. If I was going to build a library like this, I would use that. Much better than Touch Pose. Touch Pose is very hard to spell. <laughs> well, and it sounds a little bit, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Suggestive. Yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, and It's really hard really... to type that, that, that little thing above the E. Is really hard to type. <laughs> yeah, Google is going to get hung up on that, too. We, you know, we haven't dove into those enough to really recommend, like, oh, this one's way easier to use, or this one looks a lot better, but sort of just giving some options at this point. You know, it's certainly something that, you know, we've also talked about, you know, there's maybe an opportunity there. I don't know if we'd ever be able to monetize it or if it'd just be for the community, you know, but having a really rich sort of SDK like that, that people could put in their apps and then be able to, to make those videos. And, and, and that's, you know, that would solve a lot of problems like you mentioned around knowing what's happening on the screen. Cause when change occurs and you're not sure what the person did to make that change happen, it gets so hard to follow the on-screen um, action. I can imagine if you're trying to produce a really polished video, one of these these things could get quite annoying because one like mistap and it's going to make an annoying little jitter on the video, you know. So maybe you want to have some magic that does some smoothing of the movement so that it looks more polished and less like a real user using an application. 
one of the things I think helps a little bit with that is, is this approach where we're saying, you know, even your 30 second timeline, if you will, is going to have five different scenes probably. And so that encourages you to do little short retakes, you know, and if you're only investing, you know, four seconds and it didn't look that good, we'll just do it again. And, you know, the next time you do it, it'll probably look great. So is there any other kind of interesting use cases that you guys have heard about of people using this video recording technology beyond the app preview? The other thing that's that occurs to me is using it for recording QA sessions or recording usability sessions, like recording how someone's using the application as they're using it so that you can kind of uh, analyze it after the fact. Those are all possible. One thing to keep in mind is when you're connected with the lightning cable, it feels a little bit different. You're not necessarily going to get all of the mm-hmm. them being able to walk around or use yeah. the video or even necessarily feel exactly how it is in their hands. So that is one of the one of the differences when you're using this being tethered to the computer. It's it's hard to give up that you know, like we said, sixty frames a second, ten eighty p video on on the iPhone six plus. That's a lot of you know nicest that you but you do have that trade off. So you can it is great to to get that sort of data being streaming and recording of uh, video games and stuff like that is another thing that that a lot of people have been looking for. I would say also in education, you know, we've heard from some educators. So there's this kind of class of people in elementary schools and high schools who are like your integration, your technology integration specialist. And so one of their roles is often to discover new apps that could be useful to faculty and students and then help get those adopted. And, and part of that is explaining like, why would this be useful? How would this actually function in your class? And so there's that whole kind of educating people about other people's apps as well, beyond just educating people on your apps. And I think there's kind of no end to that. You can imagine, you know, there's the lynda.coms, there's the infinite number of YouTube videos out there that show you how to do things with desktop software. And the same thing goes for apps. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it's anywhere where people have been doing this today with desktop software probably applies the same for iOS. Yeah, another little thing that I I don't think we've explored yet because it's just so new, um, but there's some interesting apps that you can get for like iPad, you know, Prezi, for example, and some other um, kind of animate this on the screen in a really natural, you know, gesture friendly kind of way. And I could see people actually recording some of those segments to then build into another video, right? So the best way that I can think of to kind of get this point across or show this or illustrate this is this app I happen to have on my iPad. Well, I'll fire that up. I'll, you know, create the content, draw on the screen, whatever it is, and then I can just output that video and and build that into something maybe in my, you know, Camtasia or other um, video software. This, This leads me to one other thing. I don't remember what the name of the app is that I use for this. Anyway, so when you're recording the video on Yosemite, does it actually show your iPhone display on your computer, sort of like AirPlay? Yes, you do get to see uh, in real time what's actually displaying. So you you see it at the full 60 frames a second, too. So couldn't you then use that as uh So instead of just recording the presentation, you if you're screen sharing, you can screen share and show your iPhone as well. Yep, or putting it up on to, uh, you know, connecting over to an Apple TV and, and sharing that out. Uh, we have heard of some people wanting to do that sort of idea. Maybe they're already doing a, you know, have an Apple TV in the classroom or in the, in a meeting room and then toss this in there instead of taking over and doing an airplay to the Apple TV, sort of keep that context of inside a presentation and, and bring that sort of window up and everything. So you can still do some of that. And that's not, you don't even need to be recording at that point. Mm-hmm. I can actually see that being used a lot because it's always slightly clunky to to kind of do the kind of the equivalent of unplugging the cable and plugging in the new cable, like if yep. you want to switch from AirPlay to presentation, but being able to just flip to a different window and do like a showcase of a feature doing a, a sales pitch or whatever seems like that would be super useful. For sure. Or, or even more frivolous uh, example, Mike here is getting pretty good at Geometry Dash, and uh, he's like, hey, guys, watch this. And so we can just gather around his screen, and we don't have to all watch him, you know, trying to play on the little device. We can watch his screen, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk about music that's just, you know, killing people, it's how often I'm crashing in Geometry Dash while doing recordings. So <laughs> It's yeah, a great can... app for testing app show. I can so see that, you know, somebody's in there, and they're like, check this out. 
Brah! <laughs> you know, and they're angry birds and over yep. and over. Yep. <laughs> Here's how you beat this boss in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, YouTube is filled with Let's Play videos yeah. that are that, right? Oh, totally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. We're just contributing to that. Sorry. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is that, you know, you can also then put up a quick demo video. Okay. Here's how you, in Yosemite you set up the recording from your iPhone. And then if you want to promote your app, then you turn around and you say, and we're going to give out some prize for the best video or something. And, you know, you can do promotional stuff that way. I mean, there, there's so many opportunities that this opens up that, you know, where it's relatively seamless, you could just make it work. Yeah, you're right. You know, and one of the things that we've explored a little bit as TechSmith is, is helping to kind of get people sharing their content. I mean, honestly, our sweet spot among the market is people who didn't go to school to learn video editing. They've never taken a class in it, maybe. But that's one of the things they need to do as part of their job. And so, like, the last few years, we ran a, a contest called the Screen Champ Awards. And it was really to get people sharing screencast-style content and having categories. And then we had expert judges. We had a panel of judges that we had. And I could see a lot of that, you know, maybe we need a new category for, uh, you know, for mobile content, or maybe it just competes with everything else. But there is a lot of that sort of getting people to, who are non-professionals at video to think about how they can level up just a little bit each year so that they're making higher quality videos. Because honestly, your stuff is out there competing with everything else for people's attention. And you got to put some quality into it to get those views that you're looking for. I've got a question that's kind of a, actually, I guess, accidentally a little bit of a plug for, for TechSmith. There's this product you have called Jing. Am I pronouncing that correctly? That's right. Yes. I love I loves the Jings. Yeah, and I haven't I actually haven't used this for a few years, but I remember. So this is this is this thing that lets you kind of just share short videos or screenshots on the web with like super low friction. And I, I used it a couple of years ago when I had a like the the project stakeholder was remote and he was very often unable to make our showcases. So we would just record little like two minute video clips of whatever feature we'd built that week and just kind of send him a link so that he could see what we were building and he was a lot more engaged obviously seeing this little video rather than reading a boring email saying we've added a security feature blah 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 <laughs> right. um, so when is this going to be integrated with with Jing so that I can do the same thing for my um, iOS apps as I as I used to do for my web apps well so I guess what would the question is what would you be missing right now I suppose it's the the built-in sharing piece right and that's what yeah. you're referring to with Jing the hosting yeah because that, that really was what made it the really low friction just like here's a url that i can send to someone and i don't really have to think about it was the big win for me yeah it's not on our immediate roadmap but i think that's an interesting idea especially you know with app previews obviously apple hosts them so that's not been the focus but we have had some discussions around are there easy ways to host these in a way um, tied into kind of the bigger TechSmith, you know ecosystem of products and I have heard from, you know, an app developer recently who signed up on our list. It's been fun to see people come in, you know, and, and hear a little bit about what they're planning to use it for. And they've said, you know, I, I actually uh, want to make these videos as I'm going through the development process, kind of like you said, for other people on the team, other stakeholders, other team members to just, they're never going to leave the walls of, you know, our, our company, but we just want to share them internally. And you certainly could do that today with just taking the MP4 that AppShow generates but you'd have to again manually sort of pull it into a dropbox folder or something like that i guess you could use the fact that it's kind of simulcasting when it's plugged in to yosemite it's kind of simulcasting in a video on yosemite so you could just kind of take a screen recording of that video and that's you're most of the way there i suppose it's probably not gonna be as high quality well i mean what app show gives you is an mp so it would record all the everything you're doing on on your your mobile device and then it would give you an MP4 of that. And then you would just say, you know, save that as an MP4. And, and if you saved it to, let's say, your Dropbox folder, it would just sync with everybody uh, immediately. That's true. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we, at TechSmith, we definitely recognize that just creating the content isn't enough. Like nobody, well, most people don't just record their screen or take screenshots or mobile devices now and just keep those around just for prosperity, right? They're not just trying to remember what they did four years ago. So I think we're definitely going to, we'll see some more things about trying to get those shared easily, not just Jing, but in, uh, in a lot of our different products. So that's definitely something we'll, we'll be looking into. 
that one's painful for me because Jing was really my baby. It's awesome to hear that. I appreciate that. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, and it's something as a freelancer I use all the time with my clients. It's just, uh, okay, here's this feature that I did, you know, and it's a two-minute video, and then they could come in and say, oh, I wanted something different. But it is relatively seamless because you just, Jing, record, and then it just sends it up automatically. Yeah, and a lot of people like that it's, you know, it's not on YouTube or it's it's screencast.com kind of has that privacy level. Yeah, it's in a place where no one's just going to find it. You can kind of, we I, I think of them as disposable videos. So yeah. in a lot of cases, yeah, you send it to one person, they watch it once, and then they're done. Yeah, it's kind of like Skitch for screenshots. You know, right. It, it's that simple. Anyway, we're kind of getting toward the end of our time. I was hoping that I could just get you to summarize maybe the four or five things that you think a good app preview will have in it or what features that will have period before we wrap up? So I would say it will have a laser focus on showing the most delightful and most engaging parts of the app. It will have a good pacing to kind of not overwhelm people with trying to show too much or make it hard to follow. I believe it's going to have, it, have music because I just think for those who have audio enabled, it just really sets the tone and helps you feel the right feelings about that app. And then finally, I think it's going to, if possible, it's going to have some kind of a storyline. So even though it's 30 seconds, it's it's going to help take you, you know, maybe it's through a creation process. Um, maybe it's a, a social app, but it gives you some sense of how this ties into, you know, your day to day and makes your life better. And I think it really has to, uh, it would be a lost opportunity if you didn't show some of that. But then in terms of, you know, what elements it's going to have in it, a lot of that's restricted by those guidelines. So it's it's mostly going to just be consisting of screen video, screen recorded video, the audio and transitions, and maybe some minimal amount of text. So that that's kind of what makes it up. Where are those those guidelines? Are they on just the, like I found a developer site that just talks about app previews. Is is that where I'd find the guidelines as well? Or is there a, is there a separate place I need to look? There's a special page that Apple set up if you just search uh, Apple App Previews that has kind of their listing of, of the guidelines. Um, early on, even before App Previews were being accepted in the store, I worked with a graphic designer and we put together, a, a, a I think, a pretty cool infographic that helps distill those into a, a pretty easy-to-digest format. Um, so we could link to those from the show notes. And they're also in that, that ultimate guide to App Previews that I mentioned earlier. And looking in the big old list of uh, app store guidelines there's like a three or four little bullet points at the end that talk about app previews so there's some stuff in there but i'm guessing there's more to it than just those three or four points that they have so this is the part i try and get you into trouble we're getting close to when uh, yosemite gets released but is it stable enough now to install and not cause me major issues <laughs> when i'm doing my work because i really want to play with this but i really don't want to be you know hung up a day wishing that my computer worked. I will say that I tend to live bleeding edge and I'm feeling way less pain now than I was before. <laughs> so things are definitely better on Yosemite than say where we were with uh, developer preview one. And I actually switched over my home machine to it now because we actually just saw beta four public come out. And so we're getting pretty stable at this point now. I think we're, we're very, very usable. So that's nice. Awesome. You can also uh, dual boot, and so we've been recommending that for people as another alternative. If they really need to keep their production machine you know, on Mavericks, dual boot into Yosemite. And, and uh, I link to a, a Macworld article that, that kind of walks you through those steps. And you could just upgrade Mavericks directly into Yosemite, and then when they release Yosemite, it'll just upgrade seamlessly. I don't know if there are any promises on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> the iPhone ones, they said a lot how they weren't going to do that, and then they did. A lot of people went the seamlessly upgraded. They've been pretty good about, we're in a whole new world right now. This is the first time that Apple's done a, a public beta of an operating system. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, right? You know, full on, go just go sign up, and you can actually get beta 3 or uh, beta 4 now. So that's a whole different animal. So... We'll see how, how Apple handles that when the final upgrade happens. All right. I'm curious to hear from you guys. What do you think about your you know apps that you've worked on or people that you're friends with? Is Do you feel like um, video is accessible as something that you could tackle? Or kind of what are your thoughts on, on the cost-benefit ratio there? 
I kind of agree with what Chuck said at the beginning. It's like that last 20% that turns out being 80% of the effort for this kind of stuff is, is marketing. Unless you're a big United Airlines or something, then you do need to persuade people to... You're in a competition with everyone else on the App Store, so anything that you can do to differentiate yourself is kind of an... seems like a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not a marketing guru, but... I, th- I mean, I think it's it's kind of like it's going to become a requirement, just like putting good screenshots in your app preview is a requirement. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I got to say because <laughs> I'd rather be spending that time writing code. Although it's kind of, I mean, I don't know, it's kind of fun to learn a new thing. It's kind of doing little um, playing around with video editing to do screencasts before. I've had quite a lot of fun with it, but it's it's like one of those kind of procrastination things. You know, you end up doing it because you don't want to do it something else instead. Yeah, with video, I think I'd be more likely to actually browse in the App Store. Right now, I don't browse in the App Store. I'll Google something, what app should I get? And by the time I go to the App Store, I know what app I want to download. But if I had the ability to kind of use some videos, that make more might make more sense. I'm just kind of browsing around, like which app to do X am I looking for? If I can see some previews of a video, that might make it the browsing experience a little more reasonable, at least for me. Yeah, and I think the other thing is is that sometimes I'm I'm going and I'm like, just to throw an example out, this isn't something I've really searched for, even though I have about six apps that do it, but, you know, my to-do list. So you get on and it's like, okay, well, do I want this to-do list app or this other to-do list app? And I'm not really sure which one to pick, and so I really like the ability to go in and look at it and go, hey this works this way, this one works this way, I can see how they've kind of set it up. You know, they're telling a good story about the app, and so you can differentiate yourself. You can make it so that it's the obvious choice to pick up your app. And obviously that takes some planning and some know-how as far as putting together a marketing video, but 30 seconds gives you at least a chance to show them that you're the one that they want. And the other thing is, is... I really wouldn't be shocked if it does turn into a only show me apps that have the app preview in them. And the reason I say that is it's sort of like, you know, Amazon where I only want the ones that I can ship prime or in iTunes, you know, we found that podcasts do way better if they have nice looking album art than if they don't. And Mm. so I think, I think this is going to turn into the kind of that thing where, you know, if it has a good looking icon on it, if it has uh, a good set of reviews on it and you can go and watch the preview, you can get a real good idea as to whether or not the app is worth getting. I really think it's going to make a big difference. The thing that I'm really hoping Apple does, though, is if you go and look up an app, it brings up the iTunes page that shows you the app and some of the photos and stuff on the web. I want that preview in there so that people can go and watch it on the web instead of having to watch it on their device. And if they do that, I think it will totally change the game as far as picking up a particular app. I think that would be great, but I suspect knowing video on the web, that Apple will do it so that it works great on Safari and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Download the videos as MOV and play them locally. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that'll work for the, the other three tech people who are looking at my app. You know, and I feel like along those lines, there's kind of a missed opportunity for embedding those videos as well. So imagine if, you know, like I've been trying to curate on Tumblr a list of videos that you can actually watch if you don't have an iOS 8 device. And so some people are sharing them on YouTube or on Vimeo. And so I've been pulling those together into a a Tumblr blog. But, you know, imagine if you could just make your own kind of discovery pages of apps just based on those videos and they were actually pulled from the app store. I, I could see that being a really great way to discover new apps very quickly. Well, I can also see... So I'm always looking at, gee, what other show could I put together? But, I mean, I could see putting together just a little marketing thing that's about marketing your iOS app. And so, you know, it'd be a really focused show and it would be, you know, the best app previews out there. And so it would be thirty second, the 30-second preview and then 30 seconds of these are the killer points. This is what they did well in this, you know, and we wouldn't belabor it a lot, but it would just be a real quick, they told a great story from this to this, and this really demonstrated this feature well, and basically line up all of the good points about it. And then that way people in a minute could go in, watch the video, get the Redux, and then know what they ought to do on their app previews. 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, I've started doing a little bit of that analysis on the TechSmith blog, you know, rounding up, like even on the first day these were in the store, here are 15 examples. And sort of what, you know, I like to break it down. And and like you said, do some of that analysis, because I think that's helpful to say, here's what you could steal from this, you know, essentially. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's going to be a whole science around this, kind of like SEO. Well, let me know if you want me to come back and we can do that show. And I, I, could, I could invite a couple other friends. It's interesting. There's a couple other people that have definitely been ear to the ground on this stuff. You know, Dan Council has a, has a good uh, article on it, as you'd expect. And there's a guy that, uh, named Joe Saplinski. He has a, a podcast as well. It's called releasenotes.tv and he presented at 360 iDev about the topic. So I, there's, you know, there's kind of a few of us that are spending a lot of time thinking about best practices for these videos. So now I'm distracted watching, looking at your blog post and watching all these videos of different apps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is fun to see it. And just, it's a constrained medium. And I, I like to say, you know, constraints are one of the things that, that right, lead to that bound of creativity, that genius. And so it's fun to see just how people create like such different sort of videos within this 30 second format with all these rules about what you can't put in it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it is actually really interesting. It's going to be an exciting exciting period watching everyone figure out what works and what doesn't and come up with these wacky different ways of showing why their app is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure it won't be long until we start seeing what, you know, early web, the equivalent of the blink tag and all that sort of stuff too. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> There's one video I call out in that in that roundup of 15 posts that, I kid you not, has a cat's paw in it. Somehow it passed through review. <laughs> so that sounds like a new sport is what can you get through app review <laughs> subliminal messages oh you know that now now here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna figure out a way to insert subliminal messages into the video telling the reviewer that my app shall pass review these are not the joys you're looking for there you go <laughs> I, I kid you not that in conversations that we've had, that was called out as one thing you were explicitly not allowed to do. Is subliminal <laughs> messaging is one of those pieces. Oh, really? <laughs> that was direct from Apple, which we were very interested to hear that that was something that they felt needed to be making sure that people weren't going to go that route. <laughs> buy this app, buy this app, buy this app. <laughs> or sneaking in, you know, little little tiny promotions for your other apps, even yeah. if you're not supposed to, right? Yeah, you know, that's, so that's a good question. Can you do that with the free app? Can you say, like, go to this URL to get the, the paid one, which is even more, even more awesome? You're, you're not supposed to promote other apps in it, though uh, what you can do is show uh, in-app purchase content, and you have to you know, have a little label on there that says in-app purchase required. So you can, you can do that, but all within the same app. Yeah, they really, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how strictly that's being enforced, but I haven't seen any videos that made it through that, that pretty overtly like advertised a different app. Yeah, but you can, I'm sure, show integration points. So in order to use Dropbox, for example, you have to have the Dropbox app installed. And so I would assume that you can say, and you can share on Dropbox or, and it automatically connects to Dropbox in this way or. Yeah, I, I think it's mainly if you go real deep into that, you know, like opening another app or going to the home screen, that, that it's problematic. Uh, I see. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, get to our picks. Uh, before we do, really quickly, I know that you guys said that you are working on that product, so do you want to give us, like, the one-minute pitch, uh, what it is, where we can get it or get more information about it? Because I think it is a good tool for folks who are going to want to do this kind of thing moving forward. Sure, yeah, so the elevator pitch for TechSmith App Show is that it is a better way, an easier way for people to create not just the 30-second app preview videos that can now live in the iTunes uh, environment, in the App Store, but also longer format videos that will help train, help market your app, um, or even teach people about an app that you didn't build. And what's unique about it really is that we've tried to give you a different way to think about structuring content. And instead of recording a ton of content and then having to chop it up and and arrange it and take a lot of time on that. We've tried to make it so that as you're recording, you're also structuring and picking the best bits, maybe doing quick retakes, and your whole video is being built as you go through the recording process. And the goal being that someone who's, you know, an app developer who's like, I'm great at coding, I'm I'm great at that, but I'm I'm just not into marketing, um, could just pick up App Show and get started with it really quickly and be able to make a video that they're proud of. Is this Mac only, or is it Windows too? 
It is Mac only, um, Yosemite only, um, and that's only because that's how Apple's engineered things. That's the only way to capture, directly capture the iOS 8 device is through that lightning cable hooked into a Mac running Yosemite. Good to know. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do the picks. Pete, do you want to start us off with picks? Sure, why not? Uh, So my first pick is going to be TechSmith's website being very impressively responsive. So while I was clicking around here, I started dragging the screen. You guys have done a really good job of making a website that is super easy to read on desktop, and when it gets smaller, it just works on iPad and iOS, So, or iPad and, and, and phone. So great job. It's really good to see a website that, that works really well on different devices without having to do m.techsmith.com or whatever. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We have a team that's been doing a lot of work on that in the last weeks and months to make it that that way so that uh, they'll be very flattered to hear that good my next pick is a product i guess called what the font um which i had to use the other day for reasons i don't want to go into but uh it's pretty magical technology you you send it a picture of a uh, of some text and it tells you or it makes a good guess at what the font is uh so it's useful if you have for example a design team that doesn't want to actually talk to you uh, or tell you what font they're using, uh, hypothetically, in a situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. This would never happen in real life. <laughs> Ugh, designers. And my last pick is the fun you can have with remote control helicopters. So the other day, and by other day, I actually mean like a couple of years ago, this has been on my pick list for a couple of years, I bought like those remote control helicopters that you can get on Amazon for like $11 or something ridiculous. And these things are really good fun to play with, particularly if you have small children or cats. And they're super <laughs> easy to control. They last like about five minutes, but they're really good fun. They're really good fun if you get like a few of them and have like races. Uh, so if you're in an open plan office, then they're a good investment to use after work hours because otherwise you might annoy people. And that's my picks. All right, Jane, what are your picks? Okay, I've got one pick. So a week or two ago, some guy released an announcement that he created a language that's a Subs or a superset of common Lisp, and it's compiled by LLVM. So I thought that was pretty cool. I don't think it's available for iOS. I don't think anyone's built it on iOS yet, but it'll run on Linux or Mac. But it seems pretty cool. So if you're kind of a Lisp person, which I'm not really, but I'd like to think I I might be, now you can play with it in LLVM in your Mac apps, possibly. So Aspirational Lisp user. Yeah. That is my pick. Clasp is the name of the library. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and share something that I actually built this last week. I had some help. I was pairing with somebody when we did it. But uh, anyway, first off, on the Freelancer Show, we talked to a fellow named Kurt Elster, and he was talking about just some tiny uh, web pages that he had put together that made him a little bit of residual income. But more than that, it just sounded like fun. And so I put together my own. It's called todayasasuccess.com. I'll put links to the Freelancer Show episode and to the page in the show notes. But basically what it is, is I like to work off the premise, if I get just one more thing done today, what would it be, you know, to make my day a success? And so you basically fill in the field and you say, so today would be record iFreaks. And so I put that in there. And then when I'm done, I click the button and it adds it to today's successes, which is a list that's right underneath that field. And anyway, it was just way fun because... you know, I got to build out this uh, cool little deal, and then I put it together. I built it out with AngularJS and Sinatra, and yeah, it doesn't really do a whole lot, but for me, it's just, oh, okay, I've got this one little thing that I'm going to do, and I'm going to get it done. So anyway, today is a success.com. I'm probably going to put some ads on it, but not a ton, just to, you know, support the hosting costs and stuff. But anyway, so the, those are my picks. Daniel, what are your picks? One of the things that I've been doing on the team is helping to build our list. You know, like any good new product, we have a landing page up even before we had a product. And as I shopped around for what, where to host that, what to use, what tool to use, I was really interested in kickoff labs. And so that's what we chose. And one of the, the killer feature of it, it's going to sound a little creepy, but you just type your email address into the form, you know, to sign up on the page. And somehow it goes and fetches, you know, your different social handles. So it knows like who you are on Twitter, on LinkedIn, it pulls in a little bio based on, you know, those public that public information. And what's great about that is that I can get some sense as we're getting these signups of who's signing up, 
who they are, you know, I can pull up their LinkedIn and then reach out to them as I want to uh, maybe try to get a conversation going with them, maybe think about, is this a good customer story down the road or, or someone who could, we could help each other. So that's one. And then again, on the frivolous side, uh, I've been uh, spending a, a little bit too much time today with a couple of animated GIF new products. So one is PopKey. It's the new animated GIF keyboard. So you can, just for kicks, uh, talk in animated GIFs in, in text. And the other is a jib jab message, which just came out yesterday. I found that on Product Hunt. That's pretty fun because you can take your or somebody else's face and put it into an animated GIF. Very cool. Uh, Michael, what about you? Do you have some picks for us? I do. I'll go with two. Like, so I pretty much have two lives. One is I'm a, a soccer dad because that's pretty much what five out of my seven days a week are. <laughs> and the other is I'm a geek. So the first one, this feels a little bit self-serving, but Coach's Eye, which is another thing that we make here at TechSmith, which is all about being able to record video and, and break it down on the mobile apps. Uh, so on iPhone and pretty much every mobile device. But I use it with my kids with soccer all the time, literally almost every day of the week. Um, so the sh- record them taking a kick and like then show them where it is that they were having problems. And so that's my first pick. Second one to really fulfill that geek part of it, Screen Hero. Uh, you were talking earlier about pairing out with people. I absolutely love it. We have a, one of our devs is not in the office and we actually are often have people that are, that are remote and, uh, Screen Hero has got to be one of the best remote screen sharing. Both can take control of the screen. You can see the other person's cursor and everything. It is one of the best working environments for, for trying to do dev pairing or even just being able to like walk people through issues on the, on the other machine. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's a terrific tool. They, they recently went pro or paid. Yep. And it's still totally worth it. So, yep. <laughs> so go support them. Go buy it. All right. Well, thanks for coming guys. If people want to get a hold of you or follow up on this conversation directly, what are the best ways to do that? So they can find out more about AppShow at appshow.techsmith.com. And then they can contact the team by email if they want to go old school. It's appshow at techsmith.com. Or we're on Twitter at appshowapp because, you know, when you're not the first one to get the handle, the one you want is already taken. All right. Well, thanks for coming. We'll catch everyone next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.